1: Before I begin this morning, I just want to share some things with you that will cause your heart to rejoice. Uh, Something that I know that you may not be aware of, the staff knows this, uh, this is a great church. You guys are awesome. I'm not making this up. I mean, you guys are awesome. This is the church, I've said this, I've been pastoring well over 40 years. This is the church I've always wanted to pastor. I've never been around so much love, so much compassion, uh, so much caring. And and here's the thing that is really unusual about this church, is we've never had to ask people to give. We just don't make appeals for money from uh, this pulpit. Uh, And yet God supplies. And that's, that's an amazing thing. Uh, Supernatural stuff. And I I, I fear that we've been amiss because we haven't shared some of this stuff with you guys so that you can rejoice like we rejoice. For instance, a member of this church recently gave $25,000 just to buy Bibles. We've already sent over $4,000 worth of Bibles into Kenya. And we'll and that money, yeah, that money is set aside, and it'll be used for nothing but Bibles. A few years back, we had a, a dream, a vision. We felt like the Lord led us to build uh, a children's worship center. By the way, the sheetrock is up; they're finishing it now. Um, Scooter's not here, so I'll tell you, go over anytime you want to and. <laughs> <laughs> when the gate is open, but it, it, really, it really is beautiful. But even that is a testimony. Uh, we've never made an appeal, not one time, and yet money has come in. Uh, we had a family in this church that uh, they called me up. They said they wanted to give $35,000 to the building fund. Isn't that awesome? Man, I was doing yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not saying that gift is any better than somebody giving thirty-five dollars, but it's just—it just lets you know, without making an appeal, uh, what God can do. Another family in the church said they wanted to give thirty-five—not the same thirty-five—they wanted to give thirty-five thousand dollars to build all to buy all the kitchen equipment, and and just just amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're not making an appeal. You've never heard us do that from this pulpit. Uh, The only thing you've ever heard is um, uh, Brother Derek getting up and saying, thank you for being a faithful church. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's all we've we've ever done. Uh, Recently, we we received a $5,000 check in the mail, uh, just earmarked for the building fund. Yesterday, a man called me and said, I want to give $10,000 to buy table and chairs for the new Children's Worship Center. This is good stuff, isn't it? I, I actually think it's counterproductive. I think the more you beg, the less you get. And the more you just trust God, the more it just... It just happens. And God does it. And, and i got to tell you, those are, that's not the largest gifts. Those are not the largest gifts. The largest gift is this. And that is just through faithful giving. Faithful tithers. Just you, me faithful tithers in this church. We've raised over $850,000 for that building out there. Just people giving. Uh, this, this is amazing stuff. So, here's, here's what I want, just so you'll know where we stand. We're about a couple hundred thousand dollars shy of having this thing completely paid for. I'm not asking you to give. I'm asking you to do something that we've been doing. I want you to pray with me. If I need to, we can go to the bank and borrow that money and there's nothing wrong with that and that won't be wrong, that won't be a sin. We can borrow that money and pay it back in probably eight months to a year, two years. There's nothing wrong with that. But I heard somebody say one time, borrowing is not God's best. And, and, and if we do that, that'll be fine. But first, I want us to ask God, The God of all provision. The God who can move upon hearts as he's been doing for a couple years now as we've gotten ready for this. Let's just ask God if it's his will, if it'll glorify his name, if it'll elevate his move of, of what he's doing among us, that God would supply the money in advance. And you know what? We serve a great God, don't we? All things are possible with him. Uh, God said to Jeremiah, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I don't think this is too hard for him, do you? Let's pray for God to have mercy upon us, us, to bless this and and to supply the needs. Would you join me in prayer? Would you do that? Take somebody by the hand. Let's agree together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the gifts. Thank you for uh, what you've done so far. When we see that building out there, Lord, we're just amazed at at what you've done. Uh, Lord, we we really want to raise up children that will change the world. Children that will be so in love with you that they'll blaze a path everywhere they go. Father, we ask now that you would bring honor and glory to your own name through the manner in which this building is paid for. Father, I pray, we pray, we're in agreement. Lord, all of us together are humbly asking that you would speak and touch and lead and guide and bless, and the outcome will bring great glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about choices, choices we should make as Christians. And these are some choices that the Lord confronted me with uh, a month back. And it was personal. It was to me. It was for me. It was God speaking to me in my own personal life. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing them with you. And we will continue that thought. The first choice that we dealt with was choosing to be in a good mood. Uh, If you were in that service, and you heard that message, I hope it's stuck. I hope you've been choosing to be in a good mood. Not just every now and then, but every day of your life, choose to be in a good mood. I believe with all my heart, and I believe it more strongly now than ever before, that we have the power of choice. As I've researched the Bible, we can choose to be in a good mood. We can choose to rise above the friction and the fray of this world, and we can be in a good mood. And then we talked about choosing to speak kind words, powerful words of kindness. Not some of the time, but all of the time. Our words are to be kind and helpful, and we are to bless other people with our words. Today we'll finish the message with the thought of choose to be at peace if at all possible, with everyone. According to the Bible, and this is no exaggeration, we are to be glowing, glorious lights that bring honor and glory to our Lord. One look at us should cause the world to glorify God. Those are not my words. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When people look at us, it should cause them to glorify the Lord God of heaven. Our lives, according to Jesus, are to shine so brightly that when people see us, they glorify God. And I tell you, there's a lot of things I'm seeing around this church that just make me want to say, to God be the glory, great things He has done. And I praise God for that. Our words are to be full of encouragement. Our words are to be full of life. Our our words are to bless other people. The words that come from our mouths should build people up, should encourage them should minister grace to them. The Apostle Paul said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edification, that it may minister grace to the hearers. You see, when, when people look at us, they should glorify God. When they listen to us, they should feel stronger, they should feel more encouraged, they should feel like they've been, that somebody has graced their lives and the blessings are coming upon them. I'm telling you, friends, we are to be light bearers and life givers. Light bearers, we bear the light and love of Jesus Christ, and we're life givers because we carry that with us and we share it with other people. We are to be peaceful positive, powerful representatives of the kingdom of God. I, I like that old song, I am a stranger here within a foreign land. My home is far away upon a golden strand. Ambassador to be of realms beyond the sea. I'm here on business for my king. We're, we have an assignment, don't we? Amen. Can we just be honest this morning? Can we be honest with ourselves and honest with one another? We are not good ambassadors or representatives of the Christian faith and the kingdom of God when we're in a bad mood, speaking negative words, always finding fault with things around us. That's just not the case. That's that's not what God wants. God wants us to choose to not just be in a good mood, choose not just to speak kind words, but to go beyond that and say, I choose to be a person of peace. I choose to be at peace. And the Bible teaches us that that's exactly uh, what we should do. We should choose to be at Peace. Listen to Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You see, when you choose to be at peace, and you choose to be a peacemaker, then people around you will begin to look at you and say, that's the real deal. That's a genuine Christian. That's a true child of God. I don't know that that would ever happen if somebody is quarreling and, Fussing, but the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Read the rest of this with me. At all times and in every way. Man, that's pretty inclusive, isn't it? That we're to be at peace. There is to be a powerful sense of peace in us, emanating from us, At all times and in every way. And by the way, friends, if this uh, was automatic, Paul wouldn't have prayed for it. Would he? If it was just automatic, if this was true of everybody, he wouldn't have prayed for it. If it were not possible, then it wouldn't be in here and Paul wouldn't have prayed for it. But we can have the peace of God at all times and in every way. Now, friends, in order for that to happen, we have to be more connected to heaven than we are to earth. Now we're connected to earth and we will be until we leave this planet. But we are to be spiritually more connected to heaven than we are to earth. We're to be heavenly minded. I, I heard a preacher years ago say something uh, that struck me as being funny. He said, It's just mind over matter. He said, If you don't mind, it won't matter. And I like that. Friends, I'm telling you that we, we should care about what's going on in the world. But we should have a spiritual mindset that's so high above the standards of this world that the things that are going on around us will matter to us, but not to the point that it ever pulls us down. Even in the most extreme situations... We are to choose the pathway of peace. Jesus taught in Matthew the 5th chapter, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the left cheek also. Now I've got to tell you, I've heard some of the craziest stuff on the planet about that. I actually heard a preacher say one time, I'm serious, a preacher. preacher said, the Bible says if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the left cheek also. But if he hits you on the left cheek, the Bible doesn't say anything about that, and you can just take him out after that. I mean, give him, give him one chance. If he does something wrong, you turn, you turn, but when he does it the second time, just l- lower the hammer on him. Have you ever heard a worse interpretation of Scripture? What Jesus was saying is this. is when somebody says something or somebody does something and it feels to you like a slap in the face. You've got one of two choices. You can step into that and engage. Or you can act like a child of the king and you can turn away. Amen. And you can be non-confrontational that moment. And you can walk away from it. You see, that's what Jesus was teaching. Don't misinterpret that. By the way, uh, if they slap you five times, that doesn't give you a right to act like a heathen. One translation puts puts it this way. Same context, and Jesus was hitting on several of these things. If someone steals from you your shirt, now they take it from you, they steal it from you. That's an unjust act. If they steal your shirt, go to them and find them and say to them, I don't think that shirt will keep you warm enough. Here, I'm going to give you my coat. This will help you. Are you with me? Somebody steals your shirt. Chase them down. Give them your coat. I actually heard a story, I think it was told in this church, about somebody robbing somebody of some money and and they gave them the money, and then when they were walking away, they found that they had some more money and they took it out and they ran them down and gave them some more money. Who does that kind of stuff? That's crazy stuff, isn't it? That's beyond the norm. Jesus taught, friends, it's clear. This is not a matter of interpretation. Jesus taught, love your enemies. Don't curse them. Bless them. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully mistreat you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the church of Jesus Christ would look like today if Christians just started living according to the standards of Scripture and doing what the Bible tells us to do? And we'd fill this place up. We would be overflowing. I'm telling you, if the Christians, the people who claim to be Christian in America, would do what God's Word says, this nation wouldn't be in the mess that it's in. And please don't be offended with me, friends, but the problem in America is not in Washington. The problem in America is in the pews across this nation. We are the problem. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Washington can't fix the problem. The people of God can. Because we serve a God that can fix that. Just to start doing some radical stuff like the Bible tells us to do. By the way, you may not like this, but according to the Bible, according to the standards that God's given to us as His children, no arguing allowed. We're not allowed to argue. Here, let me just start with a few scriptures right here. Romans twelve fourteen through 21. And, and we'll just be spotted here, but bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Repay no one evil for evil. If it be possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. See, that means you do everything in your power to live in peace. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Do you understand what that means? Jesus says, if if your enemy needs correcting, if he needs punishing, God says, I'll take care of that. If the person who's fighting against you needs to be corrected, needs to be put in their place, God says, that's my business. I'll take care of that. Your business is to do this. There it is. But if if your enemy is hungry, you what? You feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. You, You see... If they need somebody to put them in their place, that's God's business. Our business is to bless them and to feed them and to give them what they need. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. I've heard that expression all my life. I tell you what I believe it means. I believe it means coals of fire burn things up. I believe that when we show kindness to somebody who's showing evil to us, our kindness burns up that evil and begins to diminish the evil in them. And it actually overcomes them. Look at that last line. Do not be overcome by evil. But what? Overcome evil with good. So you see friends. We're not allowed to argue and fuss. And, and, and to act like we're upset all the time. Second uh, 2 Timothy 2.23 says. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Knowing that they generate strife. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Friends, we'll stay away from that kind of stuff. Philippians two fourteen says, do everything without complaining and do everything without complaining and no arguing allowed. Not in your home. Not in this church. Not on your place of business. Everybody else may be arguing. Not you. You're a child of God. He lives in your heart. God's got a different standard for us. Now friends, there's always something. there's always something in this world to bother us, to upset us, to frustrate us, to, to get us in, in a tizzy. there's always something that's there to steal our joy and our peace. But I just want to ask you, in the grand scheme of things, with the fact that we are children of God? Should we let all these things upset us? Should we? And the answer to that is no, the Bible clearly tells us not to. Did you hear about the, the young college student, the girl that called her parents? And she was on speakerphone and she said, You may need to sit down, I've got some things I need to share with you. And she said, I wrecked the car yesterday, I'm fine but the car is totaled. And she said, not only that, but I'm dropping out of school tomorrow. And she said, I hate to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. And she said, not only that, I've joined a cult. And I'm moving to a foreign country. Her mom and dad screamed and shouted, what are you, what's going on? This is crazy. This is insane. What do you mean? And she said, just calm down, calm down. She said, I'm just joking. None of that actually happened. But I did make an F in one course. And I failed the class. Come on. Come on. Is it not the truth? Most of the stuff we get upset about is just the enemy tricking us and pulling us in, into uh, a frenzy about things that just don't matter in the long run I I was uh, I, I had a problem with a transaction a couple of weeks ago and the th- it was just all messed up so I got on the phone and I called the company and the lady answered and I said I told her who I was and I said listen there is a problem something is wrong here and I need to talk to you about this she said well tell me what it is and so I told her what it was, and I wrote this down because I didn't—I I, I not didn't want to mess this up. But she said, "Mr. Jones, please don't worry about it. Life happens, and in this company, we understand, and we will make it right." I laughed out loud. That's the best customer service line I've ever heard in my life. Mr. Jones, please don't worry about it. Life happens and in this company we understand and we will make it right. My goodness. Child of God, we might want to adopt something like that. We might want to get a, a motto. I won't worry. I won't get upset. I won't get frustrated. I won't get mad. Why? Because life happens. And we'll just do our best to make it right when it does happen. By the way, have you noticed that life happens on a regular basis? It just keeps happening. It never skips a day, does it? It just keeps happening. Now, let me appeal to your logic just for a moment. As a child of God, let me tell you why life should never drag you down to a place of fussing and fighting and quarreling, ever ever according to the Word of God. You know why? Because you have something better than life. You have eternal life.
0: And I've got to tell you, when you have eternal life,
1: temporary life should never be able to drag you down and steal your victory. Now you may be thinking, Pastor, that's just not, that's just not normal. That's just not natural. Well, friends, the Christian life was never meant to be normal or natural. The Christian life was meant to be supernatural. We're to be living supernatural lives with the power of the Spirit of God moving in us and through us. The temporary struggles of this life should never be able to steal the eternal joy that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Storms come and go, don't they? Anybody had a storm lately? Be honest. Hold your hand up. Come on, wave at me. Yeah. I heard somebody say one time, this is not exactly going to encourage you, but I heard somebody say it one time, uh, you're either on your way into an adversity, you're in an adversity, or you just finished with an adversity. We're all going to have adversities. You're about to have one. You're having one. You just finished having one. If you just finished having one, you're getting ready to have another one. We all go through storms. But according to the Word of God, right in the middle of the storm, you can have peace. Storms will come and go. You will go through them. But you can have peace right in the middle of the storm. I heard a wise man say this. He said, When you are in the storm, that's okay. Just don't let the storm get in you. Don't let it get inside of you. Paul and Silas, had been arrested, they had been beaten, they were bleeding, flesh was torn, they were in stocks and chains, they were in the inner prison, the storm was raging all about them, but the storm was not in them. And at midnight they sang. You know what was in them? There was a storm raging on the outside, but on the inside they were singing praises to God and glorifying God. And God did some miraculous things. Friends, don't let the storm get inside of you. And I'm telling you that God will do amazing things in your life. Now, here's the question. And I do this because I've had uh, people ask this question many times. So, what if I know I'm right, pastor? What if I know somebody has done me wrong? what What if I know I've been mistreated? It is obvious. It's no doubt about it. What if I have been mistreated? Don't I have a right to say something then? Maybe. Maybe. But it's not necessary. Notice this, Proverbs 19.11. Some of you need to write this scripture down. Proverbs 19.11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger... And His glory is to overlook a transgression. Do you know that when you overlook a transgression, that that's a glorious thing? It's the glory of man to overlook a transgression. Uh, in 1 Peter 4, eight, I don't think we have that to pull up on the screen, but in 1 Peter 4.8, the Bible says, Love covers <clears throat> a multitude of sins. Did you know that the love of God that's in us covers a multitude of sins? The love we have does not condone sin, but it covers it so that we can minister to people who are living in sin. And if you think about it just for a moment, it makes sense, doesn't it? The love of God covers our sins, doesn't it? So the love of God in us Flowing out of us covers the sins of other people. Love covers a multitude of sins. You don't have to get upset. I just want to ask you, I want to dig around in your heart just a little bit. The vast majority of things that get you upset and bothered, and by the way, some people, we don't all act the same way. Some people really get outwardly upset and bothered. And some people don't hardly say a word, but they're boiling on the inside. But I'm just asking you, the vast majority of the things that you get upset about, would the world really come to an end? Would your world really come crashing down? Would things really be that much worse if you said, I think I'll just sit this one out. I think I'll just choose not to get upset. In fact, I think I'll just choose to overlook the transgression and to cover it with my love. Oh, you want to turn your home around? Just start doing some of this stuff. It, it, is, it is amazing. It is amazing what God will do if we'll just trust Him and, 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 and just stay out of the argument sometime. I guess it's been about 18 years ago now. I was having a Bible study in my home, of fellowship and Bible study. I think we were meeting every other week. And uh, we did this for about six years. I was not the teacher. Someone else was teaching the class. And I remember, uh, and this really made a difference in my life, but I remember the teacher in that class saying something during a Bible study lesson, and it was wrong. It was not biblical. It didn't line up with Scripture at all. And i got to tell you, I was confronted right at that moment. Uh, I know I'm not teaching this class, but I'm I'm the pastor of this church, and I know right from wrong, and I know what the Bible says, and I know this doesn't line up with the Bible, and I have an obligation, I have a spiritual obligation to say something. I, I have to interrupt this class and set this thing straight. I knew what I had to do. I knew what I had to do. And I took a deep breath and got ready to just shut everything down And be the pastor and set this thing straight. I took a deep breath and before I could say a word, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you'll sleep better tonight if you don't say a word. I thought, man, what a strange thing to hear from the Holy Spirit. You'll sleep better tonight if you don't say a word. Can I tell you, you'll sleep better at night Sometimes if you just don't say a word, and I have to tell you, there have been some nights I didn't sleep well because I did say something I shouldn't have said. You'll sleep better if you don't say a word. Well, I want to tell you, contrary to my nature, contrary to what I would normally, naturally do, I kept my mouth shut. I never said a word. Within. 15, 20 minutes, we were all laughing and fellowshipping, and there was a sweet spirit in the room, and it was just a joy in there. And, and, and then that night, when I went to sleep, put my head on the pillow, and I just had this big smile on my face. And I, I, I felt good. I felt good. And trust me, it feels good to keep your mouth shut sometimes. It just felt good. I slept like a baby. By the next morning, I'd completely forgotten about it. I don't know how, but I I forgot about it. And it never crossed my mind again until two weeks later, and the class met again. In my home, and it still hadn't even crossed my mind. And the teacher says, Before we get started today, I need to say something to the class. Two weeks ago, I said something that was not biblical, and the Holy Spirit convicted me of it. And the Lord showed me where I was wrong, and He just beautifully and masterfully put that thing in order. It was such a teaching moment, and I'm sitting over there grinning like a possum. And I'm thinking, thank you, God, that I didn't mess this thing up. Sometimes, many times, many, many times, we need to trust God and stand down. We need to trust God and back away and not say a word. Sometimes the enemy will convince us that we are proclaimers of the truth, that we are defenders of the truth, and we take that truth, and we go around and we beat people over the head with that truth. Well, friends, I want to tell you today, telling the truth is not always the best policy. You don't ever want to lie. But sometimes there's a better policy than telling the truth. Don't tell anything. Just keep your mouth closed. Just let God take care of it. Now, if the Holy Spirit leads you to say something, by all means, say it. But friends, I want to give you a great big warning right here. Child of God, please listen to me. Don't confuse your spirit with the Holy Spirit. Most of us, we feel like, oh, if I got this feeling, surely the Holy Spirit put it in me. No, friends, I've had a lot of feelings the Holy Spirit didn't put in me. It was my spirit. It was the enemy's spirit. Make sure it's the Holy Spirit. By the way, pray about an hour and talk to four or five counselors and then then make you move. Alright, I could drag this out, but you get the point. Friends, that conflict, that adversity, that quarrel, that disagreement, that the enemy is lining up for you right now. He's already making plans for it. Could be this afternoon. Could be on the way home from church. Could be tomorrow on Christmas Eve. The enemy's already got a plan to mess up your Christmas. And what he's doing is he's baiting the trap. And he's setting that trap because he knows you're going to walk right into that trap just like you have a dozen times before. And you're going to take the bait, and he's going to steal your peace. Or you're going to feel terrible about it. You'll ask God to forgive you, and you'll ask members of your family to forgive you. But the enemy's already done his damage. I'm just asking you, what would be wrong with us doing something radical? Like saying, okay, I know what God's Word says. I think I'll pray. I think I'll make up my mind. I think I'll make a commitment not to take the bait of Satan. And when the opportunity comes, I won't fuss, I won't argue, I won't get irritated, I won't get upset. I'll do what God's Word says do. I want you to read a scripture with me. It's 2 Timothy 2.24. Go ahead and pull it up if you will. I want us to read this together. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Now friends, that's that's strong language. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel. We must make up our minds, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to argue. Oh yeah, one thing, I need to tell you this. Please, please get this. (laughs) If somebody tries to start an argument with you, don't say to that person, I'm not going to argue with you because I'm so spiritual. And I'm walking with God and I'm just not going to... Listen, the moment you say I'm not going to argue with you, you are arguing with them. Don't do that. If somebody tries to start an argument with you, do what God's Word says. Say something nice. Say something sweet. Say something kind. A soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns the whole situation around. You you have the power of God in your heart. And God will bless you if you'll do this. Here, I want to close with this. I believe these are some of the most beautiful things words in all the Bible. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The everlasting Father, if you know it, say it with me, the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Your Savior is the Prince of Peace. Shouldn't you be a person of peace? Our Savior is the Prince of Peace. Shouldn't we be a people of peace? Shouldn't we be surrendered to and committed to the standards of God's Word? I bless you as your pastor, I speak a blessing over you as you choose today that you'll be in a good mood. That you choose to speak kind words. That you choose to be at peace this Christmas. Why? Because the Prince of Peace lives in your heart. Would you pray with me?
0: Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.